Well, hello everybody. I'm Dell Shores. <laughs> and I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching the Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. On today's show, we've got the trans ban, more bills, a bigot who blames gays for Trump loss, but not the reason you think. Holocaust Memorial Day, bathhouses unbanned, Lindsay Lohan, that walkaway gay going arrested, a non-very a non-binary student's pronouns versus a professor and craft mac and cheese. Y'all, it's Friday. We're gonna. It's gonna be messy. How are you? It's messy. I just, you, you, I just literally had the biggest panic attack because I have one dog, Gracie, who, as you know, doesn't always come in the house. And uh -huh. So Sissy's whining at the door, and that's what she does when Gracie's outside. So I'm literally knowing we're going live, flying over the roof to get Gracie inside, and she wasn't even outside. So it's oh, just that it's that kind of day. It's going to be a lot of a lot of energy, though. I can feel it. I can feel it. Yes, y'all. I mean, as as Leanne often says, this is my therapy. It's a little bit of yours. Did y'all hear that? There was just a pounding on the wall, like my building is falling apart. If we don't make it, you know, it was nice knowing everyone. Maybe your neighbor's getting pounded. Oh, I hope so. You know, I am friends of them. They moved in during the pandemic and they're real sweet. That's great. Emerson, can I show you my new t-shirt? <laughs> Look. That's great. Look at my new t-shirt. <gasps> Patsy and Loretta and Reba and Emmylou and Dolly and Tammy. As I said, <laughs> I, it, it, I, I have one that has all of them except Tammy. And I said it on one of my Instagram and my daughter, Caroline, made this for me. I'm so excited. I love that. And you it has a crown. When we do our little ASMR on the TV, when we do like the day to night change, we put on music while we make dinner. And by while we make dinner, I mean, Blake cooks and I like, you know, reheat frozen chicken breasts and broccoli. Um, and last night we did Loretta. That was new. Well, she's, you know, she's and her candles burning behind me. It's all about Loretta today. Yes, a little bit. Uh, we have, before we get to some fun things, I'm going to shout. Uh, we have exciting news to share. And I'm going to put up this little graphic I made about it. Uh, Y'all remember for the pandemic last year, it was either last January, February, or 10 years ago. I'm not sure which. We did Dell's play, This Side of Crazy, here in Los Angeles. And we found out yesterday that it has been nominated for six Ovation Awards. Those are like the LA Tonys, y'all. Yes. It, it was, uh, we got nominated for Best Production of the Year, Intimate Theater, and that would be, uh, well, it's the whole, it's everybody, Best Production of the Year, but it goes to the producers, which would be Emerson Collins and Louise Beard and myself. And then um, I got a little nomination for Best Play, Best Original Play, but we're so proud of our cast because every one of them got nominated. They got nominated for Best Ensemble, and then Bobby Eakes got nominated for Best Actress, and uh, Dale Dickey and Rachel Sorsa got nominated for Best Supporting Actresses. So that is pretty cool. And, and Emerson, I, as I was doing the play today for the Samuel French version, it opened a year ago yesterday, the 28th. That is so bonkers. I mean, the beginning of last year when we had so much happening, you know, oh, the year was filled with such potential and promise. We still have promise. We just end potential. But the year, the year sort of lost its erection. Uh, real quick, like that Viagra tapped out real fast, right in March. Um, thank you for all of your compliments. We're incredibly proud and obviously incredibly grateful to 
these four phenomenal actresses and to the incredible designers and our team at the theater and our the people who helped us take the photos and make the online. You know, we we know and believe that theater is in a team effort, especially at the level we do it at, and we're grateful for everyone contributing uh, to get it. Yes, I mean, my philosophy is always surround yourself with all the people who know more than you do and it'll make you look good. Yeah. And, uh, and cast really good actors. And this, these actors, boy, were they special, these four actresses. They they really, and we have, and, and a big shout out to Susan Leslie, our friend who stepped in for Dale Dickey a few times as well, who rocked the house when she did. So yeah. it was great. And speaking of theater and people, though, you know, we had some huge losses this week, um, starting with Cicely Tyson mm. at 96 years old. I mean, thinking about how she started in television in 1951 and she won a Tony for Trip to Bountiful in 2013. A yes. seven year career. It was and it was an amazing performance, and of course, uh, you know Miss Jane uh, Pittman that she did, where she played yes. a hundred-year-old woman and uh, who drank out of that water fountain. We still remember that image. And then she was nominated for an Academy Award for Sounder. What I really loved about her, uh, I was actually talking to our friend Octavia this morning about it, uh, where because I feel like that uh, Octavia also chooses really, really well in Viola Davis, and she refused it during the black black exploitation movies she refused all of those roles she would not work uh because of integrity she said she wanted to only do uh just wanted to do uh roles that that were powerful presented black women yeah, yeah. And, and think about you know overcoming uh this racism in the industry misogyny in the industry and then when those two things combine against black women and to make the decision to only take a kind of role that uplifts black women and think about how that limits the already limited supply and to then continue to work and open the door for so many black women behind her. It's just such an icon to the world of performing, but I think in a rarefied air specifically for black women uh, of all kind and black female entertainers. There's, a, there's a, There was a great, um, um, uh, article in the LA Times this morning. And one of my favorite things about it was that she has an autobiography that just came out. Not two days long. ago. Yeah, two days ago, her, 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 her biography came out. And she says that she, in the book, she is uh, 87. She was lying about her age. <laughs> and she was, I think it's so much more impressive to be 96 than 87. Maybe she was 87 when she started writing the book. But I also love that, that it was like, here's the book of my life. Here you go. Goodbye. And of course, also this week, uh, Cloris Leachman, another true, mm -hmm. true icon of stage, screen, film, uh, also who lived all the way to the end. I mean, they're both so inspiring and challenging, right? That idea that like, never stop, you know, that let, if the hunger drives you all the way to the end, uh, what you can do and accomplish. You, you know, there's so much about, I mean, I love Leslie Jordan got to present his, he won the Emmy award for best guest actor for Will and Grace the same year uh, she won and they presented together, which I loved. But my favorite, I, I mean, I, I am, I was obsessed with her last picture show, Ruth Poppers, that role was it, it's ingrained in my, my mind forever, how painfully beautifully it was portrayed. But, my favorite story of Cloris Leachman, she was a bit eccentric and she did not like smokers. And she carried a bottle of uh, a little spritz of Avion around and she would literally go spray people's cigarettes out and say, it's my air too. I mean, 
That is not wrong. <laughs> I also, I found this quote from 1973. Cloris Leachman in 73 said, basically, I don't care how I look, ugly or beautiful. I don't think that's what beauty is. On a single day, any of us is ugly or beautiful. Then she said later in the interview, I'm kind of like that in life. I'm magic and I believe in magic. There's supposed to be a point in life when you aren't supposed to stay believing that. I haven't reached it yet. I think you hmm. see that in the kind of work she did, the range of the work she did. So, oh, Icons. so Phyllis, Phyllis, that's another one that I just was obsessed with her Phyllis on Mary Tyler Moore. Now, have you been watching this GameStop stuff? I have. I have. You I don't have, understand it all, but. Now, does anybody out there play the little stocks? Do we have anybody watching that had that uses Robinhood or plays the daily stock market? Because I have been fascinated this week um, and not even pretending like I really understand what is going on. Because I thought, well, I've never had enough money to play the stock market. Um, I, I had stocks a long, long time ago. And then, of course, there were periods where I needed that money. So I cashed it all in. But I I am fascinated by all of that. Victor, you need I want I want some help. I want to start playing the Rob. Uh, Danielle, maybe Danielle can help me. I know her. That doesn't surprise me that Danielle it absolutely understands. And like now, do y'all day trade? The sort of short version that I have gleaned from reading like 1700 explainers. Danielle, see how I do. Okay, um, there's a concept in the stock market where you can short a stock, meaning you take it from somebody who has it, you sell it to someone else at the current price, gambling that the stock price will drop, then you can sell it back and you keep the profit plus the fee from the person you borrowed it. It's essentially companies or individuals betting that a company's stock is going to go down and making money off of that. Lots of people hate that that's possible. Um, and then a lot of individual investors on a Reddit subreddit watched that uh, the GameStop stock was overshorted. Like they had resold 140% of the stocks available. And so they bought a bunch to drive the price up, knowing that the short sellers would have to buy it back to pay off what they owe and lose a bunch of money. A giant hedge fund lost billions of dollars. Uh, in the process. And then other people have said big hedge funds, hedge funds are involved. It's not that just tiny buyers were able to do all of this individually, but it's sort of shown a lot of people that don't pay attention to the stock market, how it works, how you can make money off of money and make money off of nothing. Um, an insight into like how much of the stock market is really rich people playing casino like behavior and some individuals starting to do it really upset the billionaires when they basically did the same thing. Um, and it's just fascinating. That's my. It is. Uh, I mean, yesterday they had to take the um, the Robin Hood. They they went down for a while, right? To yeah. Well, and Robin Hood ruined its whole business model because for whatever reason they stopped letting individuals on Robin Hood buy GameStop stock, basically demonstrating that it's really not about making an even playing field for low level players or daily trade individual buyers. Uh, sort of showing to everyone that the system is permanently rigged in favor of billionaires making more money off of money. Uh, it's like making imaginary money. It's part of what I've never understood about the financial markets. Like we have friends, we have a good friend who does, who's, whose husband does it. So that, day that, trading, you mean? Huh? Day trading, you mean? Yeah, day trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's but you have to get up early, Emerson. Every you could day. never do it. You'd have, you could never do it. You, or you'd just have to stay up. 
Well, see, uh, that's the thing. I would just stay. I would just stay up all night, do all my trades in the morning, and then take my daytime nap. Um, but and most importantly, it's. I think it's made a lot of people uh, pay attention to the way in which. Uh, wealthy people continue to become more wealthy out of opportunities that aren't really available uh, to the middle class. So this idea that anyone can do it uh, isn't necessarily as true as the sales pitch. Mm, mm, so mm, capitalism mm. needs some limits, y'all. Yep. Well, all right. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting and I've certainly enjoyed reading about it as a non-involved player. But what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. We'll get on to some of that. Uh, up first and quickly, Pete Buttigieg, his uh, nomination for Secretary of Transportation out of committee and onto the floor. Dr. Rachel Levine that we've talked about, uh, nominated for Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. If she is uh, placed, if she passes, if she gets votes in her favor, would be the highest ranking trans official in U.S. history. But tons of transphobia in response to her nomination from the usual suspects, Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, so 350 LGBTQ advocates and health experts, including the Trevor Project, Lambda Legal, GLAAD, the National LGBTQ Task Force, the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, and the National LGBT Cancer Network, put out a statement urging the Senate to confirm her immediately, saying, as Secretary of Health for the sixth most populous state in the country, Dr. Levine routinely works with the Assistant Secretary of Health's office to build critical bridges between federal and state policies on the pandemic and more. Her election as current president of the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials is a clear testament to the level of faith and other public health leaders have in her leadership. So just a reminder from organizations to push her over the line, but just the jaw-dropping transphobia she faces just doing her job, a job she does well, a job she wants to do on behalf of all of the American people. So props to these organizations for pushing around that and being like, hey, Let's get this done. And like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm reading that on your, Ben Shapiro said something just awful. And I mean, it's, it's like, what does that have to do with her doing her job anyway? Just shut up. Nothing, nothing at all. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, so in, in more trans news, the uh, update on the military ban, 71% of Americans, two thirds of military personnel and half half of the Republicans supported ending the military trans ban. Uh, so uh, Texas Republican, no, no, let's go to Texas because we've got our, you know, John uh, Cornyn was upset. He tweeted another unifying, in quotes, unifying move by the uh, new administration. Uh, AOC clapped back and she said, I don't know if you're a politician that thinks ending discrimination is divisive, you might want to not publicly advertise that. Oh God, Just I love it. And uh, now Major Andrew Calvert, who is a military chaplain at Fort Hood, right down the street from where we went to college, is under investigation for comments he made on Facebook. And here are his comments. He said, how is rejecting reality, biology, not evidence that a person is mentally unfit, ill, and thus making that person unqualified to serve? There is little difference in this than over those who believe and argue for a flat earth, despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. And then he defended his comments, comparing it to recognize, oh, here we go, with that bullshit fucking alcoholic comparison that they all go to that with the gays and whatever. He says that alcoholic needs help. He's 
He called being transgender a delusion and said those who affirm a transgender uh, person's identity are catering to make believe social whims of the moment and doing and so doing uh, so is idiocy. Wow. Well, and also like this is somebody in the military. It's interesting that he's a chaplain, right? Because clearly what he's doing is bringing his version of religious bigotry into his work in the military. They are really coming down on him. The, the investigation is uh, very serious. I hope, I hope fire his, his bigot ass. I hope that he, he go, go, just go. And all of this, like comparing it to flat earthers, like for the love, like yeah. trans want to live their lives. You can keep your bigotry in your closet. Like I mean, life. let's just reach and and that. Oh, I mean, how many times did we hear that Emerson? Whereas, oh, you're just like the alcoholic. You or just the kleptomaniac. That was always my favorite. The kleptomaniac. You know, they can't help but steal. Just like you can't help but be gay or trans. You know, mm -hmm. it is something you have to overcome. I'm like. Somebody stealing a lip gloss from a Walgreens is not the same as me sucking dick. I feel like that if we had though a, a, a twelve step step program, that we'd we'd have a lot of fun there. <laughs> oh Lord Almighty! Can you imagine? First of all, it wouldn't be twelve steps because you'd go up like three, tap dance back down a few, then <laughs> some chorus girl kicks. It'd be like twenty seven steps by the time you got to the top. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> no, no, I cannot. I am related because I want to really keep following these things specifically related to the way conservatives lost the federal control and are really targeting the states, following up on the trans bills. In Montana, the bill we talked about the other day, uh, the House bill to punish the doctors did fail, but the bill to keep trans students from competing in sports of their gender passed and moves on to the Senate. Over in South Dakota, Republicans now have revived a bill to make it illegal to change sex on a birth certificate. Now, the Montana one was interesting, and I want to share, because it shows some tactics that can be used. Four Republican lawmakers changed their mind at the last minute for the third reading of the bill that would have punished doctors. Montana House Majority Leader Sue Vinton, a Republican, said she changed her mind and her vote after meeting with the parents of trans youth. She said they were quite passionate about the need to allow parents to make these personal decisions for their families. And I learned also that it's a continuum of care. The younger child doesn't go into an immediate course to transition. It's much more gradual and it's a much more involved decision-making process. That's so important. It's back to what Harvey Milk said. Here's someone voting on a law who, would, who learned for the first time while they were reading this bill that trans healthcare is a process. Like that that was new information and they were going to vote on it. But education, personal testimony is really impactful. And Republican Denley Loge said that it was an issue for him with government interfering with medical professionals' decisions. So what this shows is we can get Republicans on board through the position of individual liberty, the right of a doctor, the right of an individual to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. Where we lose them still right now is that they don't see that extending to equal protection or equal access, like competing in sports, uh, access to places. So it's a part of the way progress, but that's sort of a successful route and a stumbling block uh, that we'll keep following along with this this year. All right. And I know y'all been waiting with bated breath about why Trump lost because of the gays. We, you, we, we were blamed for hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and forest fires, but now we're 
blamed for the loss of, and I, I, I kind of like that we're blamed for his loss, but listen to this story. It's anti-LGBTQ activist Scott Lively is the founder of the California branch, doesn't he look lovely, of the American Family Association, has explained why he thinks Trump lost. So he co-wrote in a book called The Pink Swastika, and he claims that homosexuals are the true inventors of Nazism and the guiding force behind many Nazi atrocities. I, 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 although we were killed. Um, so on the radio show Swamp Rangers, he said uh, Trump was good on every issue except on the homosexual issue, which I think is his biggest mistake. It's the reason why he lost the election. He defied God on a fundamental tenet of the Bible and he never repented of it. If Donald Trump was, as I believe, God's man in the White House for four years, why did God not preserve it? Because if God had given him favor, nothing that mankind could have done could have removed him from that office. And yet the one thing that he did during that time that would virtually guarantee God's favor being removed was to put his own personal stamp on approval of God, a behavior that God condemns in the harshest possible terms in the Bible, which is specifically male homosexuality. Trump fully endorsed and backed and applauded Richard Grinnell. As much as I admire Grinnell's loyalty and the things that he did Standing up for Trump in those battles, he nevertheless was an outspoken advocate for the central doctrine of the progressive movement, which is queer theory. Scene. Woo! He. I don't think he had one period in that. Well, he, he never. It's just. A, it's just a. It's just a text of his. He didn't write that. Oh, I liked re re performing it as a monologue, though. He said it in a video. That's just a transcription. Well, it. Um, no, I, I realized that. I realized that. But even when you're speaking, every now and then you can come to a complete stop. And then you go forward with another sentence. How do we know that does that? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> like, we don't know many people that have periods in there. As I have often described of all of us, they don't wait for the end of a story. It never comes. It just transitions to a new one. You've got to jump one. in. And sometimes in the middle of the story, there's a sidetrack to another story. And then you have to back around other. to the original story. So as I was saying, <laughs> that's just jumping back off the track. What I loved about this it also is that he said, you know, I love Richard Grinnell standing up for Trump, but it's also his fault that we lost. Like, it's like, oh, I love that this gay, like, said the right things for Trump, but he's still a gay. And so, sorry, it's his fault. Like, that is so amazing. It's like he wants to give him credit and fault at the same time. Well, here's what I, what I, I, I dare say that if you started down the commandments, first just with, I shall have no other God before me. Well, that one, Donald Trump has one before him. That's Donald Trump. So just go down the, 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 the 10 commandments, you know, bear false witness, commit adultery. There are many that Donald Trump broke of those commandments while in office. And, yeah. and, and, and homosexuality is not in those 10. So I don't think that it is the worst. Uh, it's the, what did he call it? The harshest possible terms in the Bible. Um, anyway. I mean, those clobber verses. Joe said that creep Scott Lively is from Oregon, part of the OCA. Sad to see he is still alive and spreading hate. My mom said he made her ashamed to be from Springfield. Well, and we have two follow-up stories 
that go with it. And because I wanted to, I left that in the piece about the book he wrote in 1995 called The Plink Squastica, horrifyingly blaming homosexuals as the inventors of Nazism, because also this week was Holocaust Memorial Day on Wednesday. And along, of, of course, with the six million Jews that were genocided uh, during by the Nazi regime and the 17 million people that were exterminated, LGBTQ people were certainly aggressively and specifically targeted along with the Romani people. Between 1933 and 45, an estimated 100,000 men were arrested for homosexuality in Nazi Germany. Some 50,000 were sentenced for their crimes. An estimated five to 15,000 were sent to concentration camps. Sociologist Rudiger Lautmann estimated that up to 60% of gay men incarcerated in concentration camps died during their imprisonment. We all know, of course, the pink triangle that denoted sexual deviance for homosexuals that was also given to pedophiles and rapists. Gay men in the camps were subjected to torture, including forced sodomy, using wood. Many were experimented on and they implemented a form of conversion therapy whereby gay men were forced to sleep with female sex slaves. Lesbians were sometimes forced to wear a black triangle. Trans people were lumped under the same category as homosexuals. So this week of all weeks, for him to make a statement like that, acting like we who were specifically targeted by the Nazi regime with the Jews and the Romani people, uh, makes even more offensive the, the sentiment of that book he wrote 25 years ago. Absolutely. So, um, now, we talked about Richard Grinnell. It's all his fault. He's blocked me on Twitter. I can't even see what he's saying. I just can't even troll him anymore. Uh, but he um, he must not have heard Scott Lively's Swamp Rangers. <laughs> I just love the name of that. <laughs> Swamp Rangers brought to you by the bigotry. <laughs> Blaming it. So he he haven't he hasn't heard that, that he's to blame for the loss because he did an interview he's saying of Trump. He told me personally multiple times that he does want to run again. So we'll see if that holds and how it comes about. Grinnell tried to dispel rumors that Trump wants to form a new third party to run on saying, I think we've got a long ways to go, but clearly Donald Trump is a Republican and should run as a Republican. He's uh, convinced the party still belongs to Trump, says, saying voters are nearly unanimous in his transformation to a Trump America first populist nationalist party. Okay, Richard. I mean, I'm fascinated watching like the, the big MAGA Trumpers, like their choices right now, right? So many people are going the Mitch McConnell route of like trying to be like, great, okay, we did that. Now we want to control our power again. Thank you for your time and your power, but we want it back. And then Richard Grinnell fully being like, no, Trump's going to run again and putting his eggs in that basket. It's very interesting calculus, I feel like, right? Because he's a grifter. Richard Grinnell didn't believe any of this stuff. Um, it's just an opportunity and an opportunist. But to make the choice to stick with Trump this early, I would think you'd be better to like be quiet for a couple of months, see which way the wind's blowing. Uh, but when Kevin McCarthy was down there at the office of the former president taking a photo. So like they are to him for the, I guess, the fire that still exists among the MAGA Trumpers, the QAnon world, particularly online right now, I guess. They're, they're like, I love the way uh, several of the CNN reporters were saying he went down there to kiss the king's ring. I mean, it's very that. You know, it's a little bit like 
they're they're also afraid of Trump's base, right? The people that are right now cheering on Marjorie Taylor Greene. She put out some statement today saying she got $1.6 million in individual donations this week, the same week it came out of her chasing down David Hogue and the Parkland survivors and saying that Nancy Pelosi should be murdered, all whatever her Facebook history was. Uh, they see, and I think they are afraid of the monster they created. And if they are seen being positive with Trump, maybe they at least won't be targeted by the wrath of these people who still think the election was stolen. And and we see them turning on. Uh, and we're going to have a story about her later about uh, Liz Cheney and then Matt Gates, Gates or whatever the fuck his name is. Gates. How do you say it? Gates. Gates. He ran up to Wyoming. I mean, it's just it, it it's just crazy what's going on. It, it, it's a, it's it reminds me of when those churches get get upset and, and, and they, you know, the first Baptist becomes the first Baptist and Calvary Baptist or. Oh, when they, when they have a split. I mean, it is very bad. Although that said, they definitely are having the identity crisis of like, will people split off and make a Patriot party? Um, we should not be too high and mighty as like what the Biden administration does to meet the demands and expectations and goals of the progressives and the Democrat party will also have a huge impact on the Democrat party in two years and in four years. So, while we giggle at their pain, we need to make sure that we are also addressing our internal uh, issues as well so that we don't end up in the same position. Uh, you don't want to be living in a big glass house throwing rocks at somebody else. That's right. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. The things they're asking for, they've been asking for for a long time. So they put up, They got, we got him over the finish line. So it's important. Come on. Come on, Joe. Meet your expectations. Well, we've reached the halfway point of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate all your support. If you want to throw a little financial support our way, you can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. A dollar, 20, 2,000, hundreds. If you made a whole bunch of money selling GameStop stock this week, yeah, $1,000 and walked away with 46 million. If he's watching and you want to send us a million or two, we'd take it. But thank you to Michael Shane and Ray Jarvis for your contributions already. You don't have to just, you know, it can be a lot less than a million, though. It, absolutely. Just, huh? just to make sure that, that they don't think that there's like, you know. Yeah, you could send a 25 cents and say, here's a quarter, call someone who cares, and I'd be grateful. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, um, well, following up on an old story we talked about as it was going along, you remember we shared that Raphael Mandelman in San Francisco, District 8 Supersizer was working to overturn the San Francisco ban on bathhouses uh, that was put in during the AIDS crisis in the 80s to curtail queer sex. Uh, he's been working to overturn that. Well, he was notified this week that the campaign has been successful. Um, they can, you can apply for new permits to have an old school style bathhouse, which is about locked doors and mandated surveillance of patrons. He said it's symbolically significant right now, whether it's significant on the grounds depends on if entrepreneurs with the vision and financial capacities and the savvy to open can and operate one of these. It's still pandemic. They're not saying bathhouses are opening tomorrow, uh, but once San Francisco is to that place, they could reopen. There are new guidelines to be displayed at the clubs upon entering patrons must sign an agreement acknowledging the restricted sexual activities on-site sex work and alcohol consumption is forbidden. Customers can't come in inebriated. And the venue must provide free lube, condoms, hot and cold water, soap, and towels. But I'm thrilled for them. Nice. 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 I was, I said, you know, there's 
I've always been sort of enamored with that culture. We've talked about it a couple of times, but that early where it was social in addition to sexual, those days when you could have seen Bette Midler perform in a bathhouse, it is not just about sex. Honey, you go to a show, you get a little diddle afterwards. Yeah. I was playing the piano. Or afterwards, Deering. I, I bet Bette wouldn't mind. Oh, she's there. Well, she might have stopped the song to narrate. You know, yeah. <laughs> I can't see Bette Midler not having some thoughts. So, but I, uh, I think of in our modern era, you know, like if Lady Gaga, she would have performed at bathhouses, you know, if there was like touring venue spaces. Um, and whether you want to go or not, the ability of people to engage in adult sexual activity healthily and safely uh, in any way that they want to is something we can support. I spent 12 I hours. Yeah, I think early in her career, Madonna would have and and had a couple of naked male dancers with her. I, I think Madonna would do a, an intimate tour now. We're doing yeah, a probably. tour only because um, I spent 12 hours in a bathhouse in Bratislava with two delightful men. 12 hours. That's a well, lot of time. I booked three and a half days there and I sort of saw everything in one day. So I like went in. Did you sleep there? Did you like no, get a room? No, no. no. It wasn't, it was like eight or nine, but I like went in early in the afternoon and stayed till like after dark. Did after they midnight. have coffee? Uh-huh. Okay. And we like sat around and chatted. One of them was like the third most popular DJ in Bratislava, which I thought was a very interesting title that he had. Um, third most, third most. But it was also interesting because the culture is so different in Europe. It's not, it doesn't carry the same, you know, shame connotations. Um, Rob said, I love bathhouses in Chicago and LA, the Melrose bathhouse. I sent lots of money going and made friends. Bathhouse Betty was an album title. Yes, see? it sure was. Oh, wait, sure. hold on. One more, because this is funny. Judy, I love a show and a snack afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Judy. Uh, all right. Well, well, Lindsay Lowen is in the news this week. And uh, and it's a very confusing story to me, actually. It's a week ago, uh, one of her fans, Alana, told her followers on TikTok she might uh, ask Lindsay Lowen to uh, make a cameo for her coming out to her parents. So she sent in the request on cameo and Lindsay sent it back, uh, but it was different than the request. She said, hi, Alana, it's Lindsay Lowen. I uh, know that you are about to take a very big step in telling your parents who you truly are and what you want and you want them to accept of you. And I think you should do it yourself. I think that coming from you, you'll feel a lot of power and strength. And it's important that you are who you truly are and that you love yourself and that you can live by that and tell your parents that I promise they will understand all the love in the world and strength and support. God bless you. Stay true to yourself. You're truly a beautiful, uh, truly beautiful and Godspeed. And it was lovely. I mean, I watched it. It was it was a beautiful, oh, wonderful, beautiful. Uh, so the the video went viral, and Alana posted a video saying that she did come out to her parents because uh, she didn't want them to find out on the internet. They took it well. Well, then uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan and her team uh, contacted her and asked her to take down the video. So. Alana did. And on Good Morning America, she made this statement. She said, I was kind of confused just because it's been getting such positive reaction from everybody. I didn't have an, an intention of posting it only because that was just something I was going to show my parents. I was just so inspired and touched. And I immediately thought there are so many people out there that need to hear this message. But she took it down. It's so interesting because the first part, I mean, the video, and I'm not going to play it since Alana did take it down and Lindsay, they both have taken it down from their stuff. 
But it's so interesting because what Lindsay says is so note perfect. It is the most supportive encouragement of like owning your own truth, being the one to share it. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better guidance for coming out to your parents and standing in your own truth. And that's why it blew up so big. And I almost wonder if there was some miscommunication, you know, between the team and Lindsay. You know, Lindsay has a crazy love-hate, a crazy hate-hate relationship with press and publicity. She moved to Dubai literally to get away from paparazzi. So it may just be like, I don't want random attention for no reason. I told I her and I said we were going to do this on the show. And I said, Lindsay, I'm confused. Care to explain? She didn't. Didn't get back to me. That's so shocking. I'm so surprised. I know. It's very, very, very shocking. Um, I did watch Lindsay's Mykonos Beach Club, the TV show on MTV. Um, so she's been busy doing other things. I look, I watched about two of them and I just could not. It was just not. It was not for me. I, I like Survivor. Um <laughs> You wanted somebody thrown off the island, and Mykonos is about getting the VIP on the island. It was not. It just wasn't. Uh, I didn't really love the people either. Um, I enjoyed the nonsense of Lindsay, and one of them, one one of the real cute ones, works at our. Uh, what's that bar on the corner? Eleven. They used to be eleven. Not eleven on the other side. Other corner. Flaming Saddle. No, on the other corner. Revolver. What's, Yes, revolver. With I literally almost said with the revolving door. That's how long it's been since I've been to a bar. I couldn't think of the name. One of them's a bartender there, and I always see him. I'm like, oh, I know you from the TV. Well, it's not important. Um. All right. Well, rolling on. We uh, talked about this guy. I've talked a couple of times about Brandon Straka, who founded the walkaway movement as a former liberal and became a big MAGA full Trumper grifter in my opinion just making yeah. money and attention off of supporting uh trump uh if you remember on the show we talked about when he was kicked off the american airlines flight for refusing to wear a mask and whining about it and then when he made the cover of true colors uh that cindy lopper said she wishes he wasn't able to make well brandon has now been arrested on multiple charges and released on bail on tuesday i believe for allegedly participating in the riots at the U.S. Capitol. A since-deleted video showed Straka shouting, we're going in and go, go, near the Capitol entrance. Another video reportedly showed him urging others to attack Capitol police officers and rip away his protective gear. According to the charging documents, Straka is heard shouting, take it away from him. As several people in the crowd grabbed the officer's gear, Straka yelled, take it, take it. He also deleted a whole bunch of tweets from January 6th, one that said, Patriots at the Capitol hold the line. Another, I'm completely confused. For six to eight weeks, everybody on the right has been saying 1776, and that if Congress moves forward, it will mean a revolution. So Congress moves forward, Patriots storm the Capitol, now everybody is virtue signaling their embarrassment that this happened. Another, he said also, be embarrassed and hide if you need to, but I was there. It was not Antifa at the Capitol. It was freedom-loving patriots who were desperate to fight for the final hope of our republic because literally nobody cares about them. Everyone else can denounce them. I will not. And finally, perhaps I missed the part where it was agreed that this would be a revolution of ice cream cones and hair braiding parties to take our government back from lying, cheating globally interested swamp parasites. My bad. The tweets have all been deleted. His accounts are private. But screenshots were sent by tipsters to the FBI, and they received footage of Straka re-uploaded on YouTube. And one of the witnesses in the complaint 
says they are a family member of Brandon's. So he deleted all the evidence. Other people had it, sent it on. And one of them was somebody in his family. Well, he's just a little asshole. Um, I, 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 I went back and looked at his, um, at his Twitter. I tried to look at his Twitter because uh, I had... I tweeted him during the the uh, callers. I trolled him a little bit, and he said, and I told him how, how awful it was. And he said, uh, "Well, shouldn't gays support j gays?" And I said, "Absolutely not. Not not when you're you. Uh, gays should not support. I would not support anybody that was like you." And uh, so he actually deleted all of his tweets to me, and then he went private. And I mean, he really scrubbed his his Twitter. He he just scrubbed it. Well, and also, and it's private, and he put out a statement uh, since he's been released from jail saying there's a long road ahead of him. Um, a lot of people apparently asking to support his legal defense fund, but I know he'll have the issue of where can he raise money for this because platforms will be removed from him. And his attorneys, I think, have basically said, stop saying anything anywhere while we deal with this because you were trolling, you know, and looking at this, you're trolling, you're grifting. He loved to like say something offensive and then have people yell at him for it and saying, oh, look at the tolerant left, the terrible things they're yeah. saying to me. Uh, and now it got really real. I, he, I would imagine he was at the Capitol for attention and whatever. He got close to the door. They're yelling whatever. It seems allegedly all of the information was still outside of the building. It doesn't seem there's anything saying he was actually inside. But it becomes real when you go offline and go into the real world and engage in the activities you're encouraging other people to do. Well, I think <laughs> his big problem is where uh, where he was yelling uh, to uh, take it, take it. And they were following instructions for a, and going after that cop. So I feel like that that's where he's probably going to have the worst problem. And I think we've also seen, right, something, and I don't say this, I want to be careful how I say this, because I don't say this to do, to discount the danger, the, the seriousness of the things people do, they said, the actions they took. But in reading a number of these complaints, you're seeing where I can see people caught up in the online hyperbole, you know, where they think I'm a random person nobody pays attention to, and I'm going to say, this person should be murdered. And they don't really mean it, but they're like reveling in the vitriol with other people who think like them. But then when you do an action that that hyperbole can be used to support as a motive, it stops being like just extremist speech online to your like 18 followers and starts to look like motivation for your behavior. And I think we're seeing some people who may have gotten caught up in the enthusiasm. You know, the difference between somebody who went thinking I might murder Mike Pence and somebody who thinks I've been led to believe that democracy is being stolen from me and people like me and I'm, I want to do something about it. And you look the same now because online you were talking like that person who really intended to do physical harm to people and yeah. suffer for your uh, vitriol. Well, he's in trouble. He is in trouble. Also, oh, but I knew, good for you. I can't tweet him. I can't tag him. Those fans, he has those fans that are bonkers who will follow you across all the platforms. Like that level of that kind of MAGA, there's just no sanity involved in the conversation. Well, I did have to block him for a while because I did get a lot of that. But uh, um, anyway, uh, uh, well, let's let's talk about uh, Puerto Rico.
Um, the new governor there, Pedro Pierluisi, announced an executive order aimed at preventing and protecting against gender-based violence through a number of programs. Uh, the activists have been demanding this for several years after a wave of killings that targeted women and transgender people. The state of emergency will be in effect from June the 20th, 22. Uh, and the governor said gender violence is a social evil based on ignorance and attitudes that cannot have space or tolerance in Puerto Rico that we aspire to. For too long, vulnerable victims have suffered the consequences of systemic, uh, systematic, sorry, machismo, inequality, discrimination, lack of education, lack of guidance, and above all, lack of action. So according to the initiatives uh, is a committee to provide education uh, to support and rescue around gender violence. And they're developing a mobile app uh, for victims of gender violence to request emergency help without arousing suspicion from their aggressors. Uh, this executive order from this governor comes just days after Angie Noemi Gonzalez, a nurse and mother of three, was found dead in a ravine. Police said that her longtime partner has now admitted to killing her. It's been really impressive work. Activists there apparently have been working for a number of years to get specific uh, language, specific targeting of violence against women, violence against, against trans people. And so this new governor definitely stepping up to answer the call of the, what these activists have been working on for so long. It's really important. Yes, it's also interesting. That, that is, uh, I, I love like, like when we see uh, new new blood come into politics and they actually take action immediately and make good on their promises. And I think that that's what we're seeing a lot of. Um, I saw a funny meme where it just said, had Joe Biden sign things says, unfuck this, unfuck this, unfuck yeah. this, unfuck yeah. this. Well, and it demonstrates too that these people, you know, they're in Puerto Rico here with our new leaders it shows that they also listened while they campaigned, right? They made campaign promises. They yeah. got to work on that. They really listened to all the different groups of people that they met with in the process of building their platform, making their pledges. Um, and it is really exciting and I'm sure rewarding for people who have been working on these issues tirelessly for months and weeks and years and years uh, to have action uh, done on them. And there's lots of rumblings that uh, after DC, that Puerto Rico's next and becoming uh, a state. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on in. Um, that is definitely not an issue I know much about. But if the people of Puerto Rico want to, we sure should let them. I don't understand why we. Yeah, they were. There's a lot of speculation about it that it might happen with this administration for those two. For for DC is really gonna. It looks like it's gonna happen. Seems like. So it is a little weird that there's no representation for the people who live in the center of our federal government. That's bullshit. right. And then, of course, the Republicans don't want it. And when they're in power, they don't because it is such a Democrat uh, that that's that they will be another Democrat state, as will Puerto Rico. You're like, well, if you worked a little better for the people of D.C. and Puerto Rico, maybe you wouldn't have that problem. So just throwing out uh -huh. paper towels, paper towels. All right. Next, meet Shade. Shade is a non-binary student at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls this spring. They sent an advisory email to all of their professors explaining their name, identity, and pronouns. Most had no issue, but one said she would use the name Shade, but not their pronouns because that violated her convictions. Shade wrote a response and read it on her, their TikTok. 
They said, I'm sorry, I think there was a misunderstanding here. You seem to think I'm making some kind of request. I was just informing you of my correct name and pronouns so you know how to refer to me. Intentionally misgendering a student is actively creating a hostile learning environment and discriminating on the basis of gender identity. I'm sure you understand that I expect to be treated with at least basic levels of respect and human decency in the classroom. I look forward to meeting you in class next week and working with you through this semester. Regards, Shay. They, them. That's going to be awkward. When you get wrist slapped by a student so perfectly, so logically, and so directly, it's been viewed over 1.8 million times and growing. They haven't heard from her, but they said, I'm less concerned with what happens between this teacher and myself and more concerned with what happens school-wide. Personally, I have support. I'm not somebody who's gonna be super broken up about it, but I know that's not the case for a lot of trans students. In fact, for a lot of trans students, it might be that school is the only place where they could possibly get gendered correctly. So Shade is more worried about other trans students and fighting on behalf of them and their treatment saying they'll be fine, uh, which is so impressive and inspiring. Uh, doing the work when also you're at college, like just to be a student, they shouldn't have to worry about all of this other nonsense. They should just be able to focus on what they're learning, what they're studying, what they're figuring out they want to do with their life. That's that's it. That's the goal. Yeah. Well, and relatedly, um, last night I know RuPaul's Drag Race UK is harder for people to watch because it's only on uh, Wow Presents Plus. But last night's episode had two different queens talk about both being non-binary and their different experiences of it. And it was so uh, honest and open. And one of them talked about being uncomfortable with themselves. And one was clearly uh, sharing their connection. And I think that's something that's harder for people outside of our community, even for many LGB people, to wrap their head around. And their explanations of their own feelings of being disconnected from either gender completely was just so lovely. So just a nice week for non-binary representation. So, all right, we talked about it earlier, but yeah, the, there's infighting, the church splitting of the Republicans. There's lots of evidence of this infighting. And now we got Liz Cheney and Matt Gates uh, having at each other because she voted to impeach Trump in the House. And, you know, Gates has still got his head up Trump's ass. So he called her on her to step down as House Republican Conference Chair, uh, then announced he would visit her home state for an event at Wyoming State Capitol. So a spokesperson for Liz Cheney's office put out this statement saying, Representative Gates can leave his beauty bag at home in Wyoming. The men don't wear makeup. Okay, just let that sit for a second. This is, this is Liz Cheney, who has a lesbian sister, and she's being homophobic. Now, now let's not forget, I mean, as much as we say, oh, you, uh, Liz Cheney has integrity and blah, 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 because she oh, voted. Who said that? Well, I mean, a lot of people are praising her because she voted her conscience with, with you know, to, to impeach, impeach Trump. But let's not forget that she just threw her sister under the bus to win that election. Uh, g g going against all of our rights and, yeah. and and when they're saying she's moderate, bull fucking shit. She's one of the most conservative there are. There there are anyway. Uh, this is she has a. If you don't know this, I'm sure you do. That she has a a, a lesbian sister, Mary, and uh, seventy percent of her constituents voted for Trump. So she already has a twenty. Uh, twenty-two primary challenger, and fifty thousand people have signed a petition to recall her. 
Well, it's such a great example of how far we're moving the Overton window, right? That she it would be an extremist five years ago. And now she seems like a reasonable one for one decent vote on impeachment, but believes a whole bunch of nonsense. And then the, her constituents are even further off the cliff than her and want to primary her, this very, very far right individual for this one vote. I mean, the level of bonkers happening over there is, and you know, just casual homophobia. But I wanted to share your tweet about Matt and his yeah. humble. That little, look at that. First of all, that, 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 that jacket's too short. It's it doesn't fit right. He just and I said that this is what happens when you have no gay friends. Uh, fashion mean, police. I do mildly appreciate the trolling of him going to her state while he's trashing her to like appear at an event. I mean that is he certainly understands the trolling part uh, of publicity right now, and I don't have any sympathy for her. But also just the casual like gender reinforcement and homophobia of like, leave your makeup bag at home. Like they all wear makeup on TV. All of them. And I have some on right now. I just want y'all to know I have a little little outbreak here today, little brow action going, you know. I try to make it look like I'm sleeping well. You look, you look wonderful, Emerson. And blow you it are, out. And blow yeah, out I've seen you. I've seen you wear full base, and you can't even tell it unless you get real close. You go, oh, oh, uh, you're a little, a little cover. Yeah, you're you're very you're very good. Well, that's a trick. Well, you know, when you're a man, you have to. You know, you don't. We don't look like we're wearing you it. Look like no makeup, makeup. There's a whole bunch of YouTube tutorials about no makeup, makeup look. It takes longer than doing real full makeup. Yes. Okay. We there's there's one more part of this story where you know with these infighting uh, Republicans, y'all just get your sympathy cards out right now. Mike Pence is he's scared and he's homeless. He is homeless because Trump sent that mob after him in the Capitol, which was not funny. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that was funny, but Mike Pence he's been, <laughs> he's been couch surfing. <laughs> Before in D.C., he lived in uh, the Indiana governor's mansion. He doesn't even own a house. So uh, Joe Scarborough of MNSBC, M- MSNBC said he's also in fear of his life because of Donald J. Trump. He went on to say that Pence is laying low and avoiding the spotlight because there are people who have Pence on their hit list because of Trump. So I, I'm pretty sure that it's like a, at least a really good fold-out couch for him and uh, Mama Pence, uh-huh. but uh, but it may it may and probably a guest room in some of these rich Republicans. But yes, well, and here's the you know I'm not happy about it, but there is definitely sh- Schadenfreude a little bit about you being fearful of a monster you helped create. You know, you you stood with Trump. You helped him govern. You kept silent through so many of the ex- things that he pushed further and further extreme on. And now having that turned against you, like, I don't want anybody's life to be in danger, but you have no. to acknowledge how your silence in order to maintain your power contributed to the situation you now find oh, yourself. Oh, oh, and it wasn't just silence, Emerson. I mean, two weeks before, two weeks before that all went down, he was in Georgia saying yeah. that that election was rigged. He was, Pence was campaigning in Georgia. So he has he has just as much to blame for them coming after him as Trump did, I think. Yeah. Maybe not quite as much. Yeah. The, um, hold on, I wanted to go back. Jig said, I just wish we could come up with pronouns other than they and them. When I was young, calling someone they was calling that person mentally ill, multiple personality, usually aimed at women or girls. That's interesting. I've never heard that that version. Oh, no, I haven't either. 
some people stump over the grammar, but it's a silly argument really when you consider how often we do use they because we don't know uh, an individual's uh, identity in a situation. But I, and, and not for our community, but I find the whole argument about, I just can't you know, deal with uh, trans person's name change or their pronouns. Y'all, the entire country learned to call a small coffee a tall, a medium coffee, a grande, and a large coffee, a venti. And you don't walk into Starbucks and go, can I get a large? I mean, I'm so sorry, a venti. You figure that shit out and you get it right. Yeah, you know what, Emerson? I have to say that I got confused for the grande and the venti for a long time. I always thought I was ordering a grande. I thought the grande, because I speak, you know, because I speak Spanish. Grande, grande is great. The venti is something, I, it's not, no, I don't know, but it, I got it down now. I got it down. I think I'll go get a venti after this broadcast. You know, Erica said, and Erica uses they and them at work all the time. You know, it's like it, it is something we're familiar with. And I know Jigs, but that's a very interesting that that was well, a very. You know, here's, here's what is um, is is has been in my my journey with that, because it is hard for me with, with sometimes. And and I whenever I say it wrong. And I have a, a dear friend who is uh, an actor in one of my classes, and I and I go back, and even someone else who says it wrong, I correct them gently, gently, and they are not that bothered by it. They are okay. They sometimes yes. Yeah. And as venti uh, means twenty ounces, that is where the venti part comes from. Thank you uh -huh. for that. All right, and one final just silly because it means a lot of my own uh, personal life. Kraft has introduced a new mac and cheese for Valentine's Day. It says it's cheesy, it's sweet, oh, and it's completely pink. It's hashtag candy KD for Valentine's Day. Now y'all, it is Kraft mac and cheese, but the flavor packet is candy flavored and it turns it pink with hints of candy flavor. Now, as a grown man who more than once a month probably eats Kraft mac and cheese out of the box, I just cannot get behind this. It seems not right. It seems not Christian. It seems from the devil. What do you think? I just think it looks disgusting. I just, I'm sorry. I'm, there's no way I'm going to eat some um, mac and cheese that's pink. And, but, but and it tastes like hot candy. No, no, no. If you want it pink, just put a little cake coloring in it. And then it won't it won't change the taste. It'll just look different. Right. I, like get you some red food color and make regular mac and cheese. I mean, they're only making like they're it's like they're doing a contest, giving away a thousand boxes. So most of us aren't likely to taste it anyway. It's not right. There's nothing right about it on any level. But I just felt offended on a personal level. It just seemed inappropriate. Yeah, Victor, I'm with you on that. Mac and cheese with bacon and green chili. It's just not right. Oh, uh, well, that's it. It was just a fun, silly thing. I didn't have any fun, specifically queer stuff to share this week. If, 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 here at the end, if you want a tip, once again, to on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to BeardCollinsShoresProductions at gmail.com. Thank you to Jiggs and Patrick and Erica and John and Bob. We appreciate y'all support this so much. Hard. All right, that we got a minute and a half, Dell. A minute and a half. It was just like a, that was like romper room though for a minute. Does everybody have weekend plans? What's your weekend? The short version. Is that I'm it? I'm teaching and uh, not much else. I'm teaching. 
It's still right. It's still rainy here the last. Yeah, few it's, days. It's, it's been very cold in LA. Very cold oh. and rainy. So I haven't been able to do my hikes. I, I don't, I'm not loving spinning lately. So, um, yeah. Tonight's yeah. so nice drag, drag race. That's right. Drag race yeah. time tonight. Um, we love you too, Rob. Erica's not working. <gasps> Leanne, it's your birthday. What? I want to say happy birthday to Luann. I asked her, her recovery is going well, but it's still a struggle and a process. So y'all give a lots of love over to Leanne. Leanne, uh, Leanne, I want you to make a wish. One, two, three. There you go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Leanne. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. Regis watching Eureka. Jacob, a drag show at Aura Lounge. Victor's COVID shot went well. John Martin said once again, porn for the weekend. John, I appreciate your consistency. Oh, and I just want to thank the uh, Ken for sending me new porn links. That was very, very Christian of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. All right, y'all. Well, everybody have a good and safe weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday.